Hey guys, it's Erin. Just a reminder that this is our second half. Uh, the first half came out last week and included This Week in Feminism, and this half includes Rent and Receipts and Misogynist of the Week. Enjoy! So we're moving on to our next uh, segment, Rent and Receipts. This is where we each bring uh, something going on in the world to share with the others and, well, rant about it, basically. Mm-hmm. So Erica, I know you're chomping at the bit. <laughs> so this week, Canada, Canadian writers uh, decided to crowdfund an appropriation prize. Yes. So I would like... To, before I get into this, I was at a talk this week. Um, Cornell Belcher, I believe his name is, wrote a book um, about the race, basically, in the Obama presidency and so on and so forth. So he was somehow under the impression that Canada is better on race. Hmm. And then he said... Oh, but after talking to a few people of color in Canada, I could see that that's not the case. <laughs> and no, it is not the case. <laughs> and this is a perfect story to illustrate how this is not the case. So, earlier this week, the Writers Union of Canada, an organization that, according to their website, promotes the rights, freedoms, and economic well-being of all writers found itself in the position of apologizing for an editor's defense of cultural appropriation. Did you hear that, all lives matter? <sighs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Of all, well-being of all writers. That is so all lives matter. All writers matter. Yes. Apparently not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> the controversial piece appeared in the organization's quarterly publication, Write Magazine, whose latest issue was all about Indigenous writing. Yeah, and we should clarify, Write Magazine is not R-I-G-H-T. No. With it, a W. Yeah. Write, writing. Write. Ooh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How clever of them. <laughs> In an opinion piece called Winning the Appropriation Prize, Write, W-R-I-T-E, <laughs> Magazine editor Hal, don't no, even try. No. I don't. Okay, so Hal, <laughs> <laughs> we're really bad. No, I am really bad with names. I'm, so I'm I, I'm gonna butcher this man's name. <laughs> so I'm not even gonna try. Let's just say the editor took the bold stance of not believing in in cultural appropriation, and I say bold stance when it's not really a bold. Well, stance. and of course. This is like another white person that doesn't yeah. believe in cultural appropriation. <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> oh, man, this is hilarious. Um, so the editor went on to say, quote, anyone anywhere should be encouraged to imagine other peoples, other cultures, other identities. There should even be an award for doing so. The Appropriation Prize for Best Book by an Author Who Writes About People Who Aren't Even Remotely Like Her or Him. And the award goes to Joseph Boyden. 
Oh, yeah. This has the stench of Boyden all over it. Mm-hmm. White Canadian writers jumped to the editor's defense. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, the Globe and Mail's Elizabeth Renzetti offered the lukewarm argument of the piece being insightful in that it created a debate. Oh my god. Like we can't just just because we have a conversation about something doesn't make it insightful. It's not insightful. <laughs> like what insight could you possibly uh, glean from your own opinion? From not believing in appropriation. I like, can't you're even wrong. Cur- you're wrong opinion. Like the look on my face is just as like pure like confusion and disgust that I can't even like contribute. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you're just in shock. I get it. Oh, the live and stream is coming. The National Post, Christy Blatchford, Ugh. who I think is one of the biggest misogynists out there. Oh, she's yeah. the worst. She uh, is a misogynist. Maybe yeah. not the worst, but she's awful. She's right up there. Yeah. Argued that the editor was being, quote unquote, silenced, and that he joins the ranks of white people who have been bullied into apologizing. Something he actually never did publicly. <laughs> yes. Also, white people like, need our help, everybody. But just so we're clear, he did quit his he, role he as resigned. Editor. Yes, yes. Well, and like it's not it's not white people aren't being silenced every time we're called out for behaving inappropriately. That's They're not being literally silenced. literally never silenced. But no. They I don't literally have, to worry have about... all the bylines, all the space to talk, all the shit that they talk. Yeah. Like if we want to talk about silencing, we can talk about Desmond Cole being fired from the Toronto Star. He wasn't. Yeah. Or like re- yeah, resigning from the Toronto Star. Yeah. Basically being asked, put in a situation where he was forced to resign. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Toronto Star saying we didn't make him do that. Yeah, like that's as though we thing. as though we can't see the bullshit when it's mm. smeared all over like the mirror. Okay, yeah. mm. um, but that's not all. Oh <sighs> no no no! <clears throat> so Canadian journalists uh, apparently now know how to use Twitter, oh. <laughs> and so they got on Twitter to have what really amounts to a bullying session Mm. for people of color. Okay. So a group of white editors, executives, and longtime columnists for some of Canada's largest mainstream publications started collecting money for an appropriation prize similar to what the editor suggested in his piece. Ken White, formerly of Rogers Publishers Publishing, started it off with five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. Anne Marie Owens, editor in chief of the National Post, Allison Uncles, editor in chief of McLean's Magazine, Steve Ladder, oh, whatever. Steve Lauderente. Ladder, okay. Managing editor of CBC News. For, uh, also, I formerly of Twitter Canada. Oh my God. Oh my God. Steve, is that Mike or Mike? Head of digital content and publishing for Rogers, Scott Feshuk, McLean's cub columnist, and Christy Blatchford, the misogynist of the week eternally, <laughs> amongst others, all volunteered to fork over hundreds of dollars for a prize that would reward people for culturally appropriating their work. 
Walrus editor Jonathan Kay didn't offer money, but retweeted White's call and objected to the editor's resignation, probably because his mommy told him to, because Barbara Kay was well up in there. By the way, let me do a segue for Jonathan (laughs) Kay. Okay, Jonathan Kay is basically white privilege personified. Him, Andrew Coyne, okay, Mm -hmm. is another one. And they always like to tell us, tell us, as in the Canadian public, including people of color, that A, there are no people of color columnists and writers that they could find, okay? (laughs) Yet every other digital publication can find them. Uh, Hello, Vicky Moshama at Metro News. Hello? She was was hanging out. They could have called her. Yeah, and I do think... Sarah Hadji of, I think, Vice yeah. mm-hmm. is another one. Andrew Coyne was on this list, too. Oh, contributing. oh, oh, I know he was. <laughs> okay, because let me tell you, so this week, too, this is what happened. So Andrew, apparently, no, it was last week, apparently Ottawa is planning to restrict funding from educational institutions that don't promote diversity. Yeah. Andrew Coyne tweeted, Oh, quota here, quota there, everywhere a quota. And then I retweeted him and I said, oh, it seems as though skills and experience aren't working, so maybe we'll just hope on a wish and a prayer. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Because it seems to me that what we have is um, a a sort of cohort of Canadians who who are of color, who are educated, and who can now fucking vote. Yeah. And what I find funny is who is not mentioned in this list. Vice is not mentioned in this list. BuzzFeed is not mentioned Mm -hmm. in this list. All the digital publications that came out in the digital space Mm -hmm. seem to have have an idea Mm -hmm. of what the hell's going on in this country. Because they also employ people of color. Exactly. 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 So which goes back to the quota, quota, everybody a quota. Right? Yeah. And let's be clear that this is ba- what the list that we just gave you is basically all of Canadian publishing and journalism. Yeah. So if I'm a journalist student at the as a person of color and I read this on Twitter because I'm already following these people because they're in my industry mm-hmm. and I see them denigrate my identity and denigrate the whole idea of my de- identity being stolen yeah. especially for indigenous writers Mm-hmm. What does that say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I find really, well, I don't know if it's interesting, but is bizarre, is that these are all journalists, and Write Magazine is for fiction. Mm, interesting. Like, he's interesting. talking about fiction writers yeah. and authors, not a fucking columnist from the National Post. So why did they get their panties all in a bunch? Oh. Well, yeah, I mean... Or briefs. (laughs) (laughs) We could be gender neutral. (laughs) That is a good point. And it's interesting that they would take such such a strong position when... I mean, hypothetically, if you're just reporting the news, you're not appropriating anything. Because you're reporting on facts. You're reporting the news. Although I guess a columnist is a little different because they're giving an opinion. Yeah. So then there's more of a relation, like a similarity to like a fiction writer. Well, and I think think there's been a long history of white columnists stealing ideas from writers of color who don't have these huge platforms and then promoting them as their own ideas. 
So, right. I exactly. Mean, I... In fact, it's just an extension of blackface, like mm. we're talking about, extended to every person of color. Mm. They just We just got blackfaced, mm. by the way. Mm. Okay. So I just want to be on record and just say that um, apparently these people... Uh, this is just the most racist shit that I have read yeah. about Canadian journalism in a long time. Yeah. And it, it comes at, on the heels of Desmond Cole and the Toronto Star anti-black shit. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, Sachi Cole actually wrote about it too. There are many people, Vice wrote about it, Sachi mm-hmm. Cole wrote about it. Um, McClay, the the actual article in the show notes is from McLean's. I thought it was just wonderfully written. Mm-hmm. Um, which re- which makes me wonder, and the person who wrote it in McLean's is a person of color. Hmm. One of the people who wanted to give to this appropriation prize is the managing editor of McLean's. Yep. Yeah. So and of CBC News. Yeah. Well, like, this is this is just beyond. Anyway, I'll just read what Sachi wrote, and I thought this was was very good. The conversation was so nakedly cruel, with no shred of possible empathy for people who are really struggling to get their work read, recognized, and appreciated, not only by an audience, but by these exact editors who act as gatekeepers to said audience. Even more egregious is that this whole argument was rooted in appropriation of indigenous voices and stories, People we've taken so much from already. Physical space, safety, bodies, culture. We can't even let them tell their own stories in an issue of a magazine dedicated to their narratives without undercutting them first. And shame the fuck on you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Holy. Uh, um, So going back to Jonathan Kay. Jonathan Kay blocked me on Twitter. (laughs) Um, like a year ago, because I kept challenging his notions of of ethnicity and culture, mm-hmm. and so he blocked me. I have, which I'm totally proud of. Mm-hmm. I have gotten into similar arguments with Barbara Kay, his mother. And yeah. to be honest, I don't trust, I don't respect anybody who had to get his career started by his mother. Yeah, it Sorry. might be his aunt. I think it might be his aunt. Or no, I, am I thinking? I of think Margaret it's his mother. His mother. Oh, okay. It's his mother. I'm thinking of Margaret Wendt. So I would like to. Where would Jonathan K be without his mother? Mm. Bloody nowhere. Yeah. Andrew Coyne is one of the most privileged people in this country. Yeah. And he wants to. And he wants to talk about race. I'm sorry. Did he grow up around racialized communities? Mm-hmm. This is the same man who got to Canada land and said he couldn't. F- and who as. A managing editor of the National Post at the time said that he couldn't find voices of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because you didn't look, asshole. It's because you didn't look and you didn't give a shit. And now we know. Yeah. The emperor's clothes. The well, emperor's skirt is open. And like when I was reading about this, I was like, was this supposed to be like some sort of like frat joke? Like it is uh-huh. frat boy. And I would like, like to. I can't understand. Like, but are they you, serious? But do you see how easily white women? Oh, yeah, they yeah. just jump on the bandwagon. Jumped on that bandwagon, yeah. and then we wonder, and and then white women wonder why why women of color don't friggin' trust them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Because they will they will sell us down the river for a little power in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Ha, have any? Of I keep looking at you. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> I'm just like I'm looking at Bailey, and I wish because, I could like I've an turned this way, and I'm just like, B, it's not you, honey. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, I like has any have any of these people commented since like, they've all kind of apologized and tried to walk. They they said, oh, it was inappropriate. Oh, I was just making no. A that's joke. not good enough. But that like they didn't. Yeah, that's not good enough. It's not a very funny joke. It was a r- really bad joke. <laughs> it's like, like not really a joke at all though. What makes a joke is when you're punching up towards power, not when you're punching down towards people who don't have any power. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't wait for traditional media in Canada to just to just disintegrate and die because yeah. they've already they've already lost a generation. Yeah. And this is exactly well, why. Yeah, it's funny that like, you know, so like magazines are going under like, you know, the they the the press the the printed press can't make money to save their lives. Like and it's like, well, get with the program and you're not hiring anybody to get you with the program. So you know, like no one. I hope the National Post does go under. I really do. You know? I hope it does. Because, like, fuck, you're not offering anything worthwhile. Well, obviously not, because nobody wants to read their shit. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the same old, same old white male yeah. point of view. There was actually a tweet out there. I can't remember who it originated with, but it like it's basically like flashed pictures of. Canadian yeah, 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 yeah. colonists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are like two people of color and two. Like out of like 25. And then you have well, to squint. And that's why even when they, with the CBC redid Q, it was so disappointing. Like they had Shad, they had such a great opportunity and even yeah. when Shad left, like, okay, like Tom Power, like, fuck, you're another white dude. Like why do we want yeah, to have another I, white dude talk on the radio? I don't want to hear that anymore. And you know what? It's not as though he's a white dude bringing something else to the table. Right. Yeah. Right? If he were more like, if he were a huge Rancid fan, for example. Yeah, yeah. sure. And could introduce people to that, that is, that's valuable. Well, that's why George Shambolopoulos became successful. Yeah. Because he's like a different, interesting kind of perspective. Although I don't find him that interesting. He became less interesting now that he's sober and like not on drugs anymore. Oh. (laughs) And he has to, I mean, he's hockey night in Canada now. Oh, that's right. Well. New generation. But, you know, I I just, what kills me is that, let me tell you, I stood up in a room with TELUS executives and public service executives at a Canada 2020 talk, the same talk I'd referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. Susan Delacorte was there. Mm -hmm. And I got up and I basically said, that um, Canadians like to maple wash their racism Mm -hmm. and basically that Canada's institutions are still white and male. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so when when people tell you that Canada's better than the States, it's not. Yeah. And I told him, this was my line. I said, in the workplace... People of color get policed, white people get mentored. Mm -hmm. And that makes a huge difference in how people are allowed to progress. And I do say allowed. I do mean allowed to progress in their career. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So 
I would love for each one of those met, everybody that I mentioned today, to tell us how they are going to bring in more diversity, more voices of color, and give them a platform. Mm -hmm. Because, sorry, that's the only thing that's going to save their asses. Mm -hmm. Because they're bleeding money, like, mm -hmm. left, right, and center, and they want to mock people. Yeah. No. They can't even do their own, like, they can't even keep their publications afloat. Yeah. Where, wh how are they merited for that? But they're such big names. Yeah. Everyone knows who they are. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. You think anybody cares about Rex Murphy? He's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They all say variations of the same thing. Yes. But that's the problem. <laughs> that is exactly the problem. They are all variations of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Erin, over to you. Okay, so um, I'm sharing an article today from Elle magazine. And uh, uh, generally, uh, we expected Trump's assault on women's rights to be swift and harsh. Um, things over, like overturning Roe v. Wade, um, straight up def defunding Planned Parenthood, etc. Um, but those things haven't happened yet. Instead, we're seeing a much more slow and subtle assault on women's rights. So specifically, this is being done through appointing the most extreme anti-choice activists into positions where they can do significant damage. Um, one example is last week how we spoke about uh, Teresa Manning, um, who is being named one of the assistant secretaries or whatever of population affairs and health and human services. And as a reminder... She believes abortion causes breast cancer and that contraception doesn't work. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and also in part of her role at Population Affairs, um, she is uh, in charge of Title X family planning funding, um, which amounts to about $286 million in funding meant to be used for purposes like providing birth control access to low-income women and preventing teen pregnancies. Um, and, you know, I'm sure everyone knows that teen pregnancy has been plummeting mm -hmm. um, for years and it's at an all-time low due to increased contraception access. Yeah. Um, she also doesn't believe in family planning and dislikes teen pregnancy prevention because she believes the longer someone's on birth control, the less effective contraception becomes. Oh, my God. Um, also in fuckery at Health and Human Services. I still can't get over that name. <laughs> Charmaine Yost has been named uh, their spokesperson, um, and she is a former president of an anti-choice group who believed uh, that being anti-choice was being pro-woman, um, and she also believes that abortion causes breast causes cancer and in 2015 argued that doctors should be forced to tell their patients that medical abortions are reversible. Um, they're not? Well, apparently, like, the, this article goes on to say that you, if you take, because it's the two pills for the medical abortion, if you yeah. don't take the second one, there's a 60% chance that the abortion will happen and a 40% that it won't. Yes, but then, but because... The it's first, like deforming. Yeah, yeah, but the first pill that they take, uh, that they make you take, is like to prevent any folic acid absorption from the fetus. So you're, you're yeah. like, it, that would be a hugely risky yep. pregnancy. Like a, a very... 
high chance that there the baby would have like brain damage and also like uh, I just can't uh, do, do any of these people read science like anything anything any kind of medical or scientific report at all like just something to base their well, opinions on. Charmaine Yost is also one of those people who was on the Planned Parenthood thing where they were selling baby parts Oh, yes, the sales of baby, dead baby. Oh! Yeah. 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 So, the dead baby expose. They're yeah. all uh, fucking crazies, and they are all in charge of healthcare for women. Uh, well, this is terrifying, Aaron. This sounds <laughs> House Republican, to be honest. What do you mean by House Republican? I feel like the House Republicans are driving a lot of this, a lot of these appointments and a lot of the agenda. Mm. I, I, when I, when Donald Trump was first elected, after, you know, the depression and the shock subsided, <laughs> I remember that day, Aaron. Oh, I know. I remember seeing you. I remember you seeing me. It was a dark day. It was a dark day. <laughs> so, um... I remember, or sorry, um, yeah, I remember when he first got elected, um, my question was not what Donald Trump will do. Mm. My question is, who's the dog and who's the tail? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because those House Republicans, people are all over Donald Trump. He's not your issue. Mm -hmm. It's it's that House. That's Mm -hmm. your issue. Mm -hmm. It's Mike Pence. That's your issue. And I, I'm wondering how much of these appointments are being driven by, say, the Freedom Caucus, mm. or because they sure as hell neutered Paul Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. which makes me warm warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> yeah. But you know they've been wanting to defund, restrict, um, break down for eight nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. I'm starting to think that Trump is just a weak figurehead. Yeah. That they can, he'll let, they'll let him do his crazy stuff because he will take um, um, attention away from the actual stuff that we talk about here on the podcast of Bad and Bitchy. Um, (laughs) The actual stuff that's being done. He's such a distraction. That's right. He's a perfect distraction. With all his outlandishness. Exactly. Like Mike Pence is the one wheeling and dealing in in Congress, you know, like when Trump's on Twitter, Pence is in the, in the, doing the work. Exactly. Exactly. And he's just rubber stamping it because he doesn't know how to run a government. Because he doesn't care. And he doesn't really care. It's fine. He's like, he's like, you know what? This is kind of hard. I'm kind of over it. Yeah. (laughs) He's over it. Yeah. I am completely convinced that he is over it. Yeah. Already. Yeah. And so... It becomes, and what's going to be interesting to me is what role Ivanka will play in that. Will she be more of sort of, will it be like Ivanka versus VP? Or will they be more sort of working towards a similar agenda? Mm -hmm. Well, this morning Trump gave a, a commencement address at Liberty University in Virginia and one of the things he said was that, you know, you have to do whatever you want and, like, what you believe in against the critics, against, like, what your family thinks. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's weird. That's interesting. Well, 
you know, just back to like disliking teen pregnancy prevention. I totally derailed this. Sorry. (laughs) Shocking. I just, I just feel like, like, is anybody going to look at the foster system then? Because like, it's all fine to be like, oh, we don't want you to get abortions, but then someone's going to have to deal with the babies that are unwanted. Like, when they're actual real babies by the time they become like real human beings yeah so what like what's the plan for that there is none no because you see when those babies and some of those babies grow up and you know commit awful crimes Mm -hmm. they're going to want to put them on the death penalty Mm -hmm. or they're going to want to invoke the death penalty yeah yeah so what what i listen most most people who are anti-abortionists only care about the baby the, the fetus the fetus sorry yeah. you're right the they don't care about the baby yeah. they care about the fetus yeah yeah that's it yeah what's that baby what's that fetus is born they could give a crap yeah because they yeah. don't want to even give health care like what teen can pay for her health care like you know like well this goes back to that kid who can't even pay the 700 dollar fine yeah, for groping <laughs> yeah like how like, is this how is a teenager supposed to care for a child exactly it's just such an unsustainable economic system that it like you know you think okay fine trump i'll i'll give you that you have millions and millions of dollars or whatever but even though i don't even know if that's true but like then just the economics of this don't make any sense no uh, uh, like and this is why you can't have laws based on moral arguments yep. or, like, religious arguments. You yep. can't. It's a bad idea. Yeah, they need to be based in facts yeah, and data and Science. evidence. Anything. Just watch Bill Nye. Just something. I know. Like, that's all I want these people to do. And as someone who watches a lot of teen dramas... Right. I just keep thinking that, you know, these teenagers have these babies and then their parents then raise the baby as the sister. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, it's actually the, the mother. Like Elizabeth Smart. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like... I mean, not like Elizabeth Smart exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like sort of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or like what if they just like leave them in dumpsters? Yeah. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Is that, you know, restricted abortion means more babies in dumpsters. <laughs> it's true. Like, I'm, I'm lying. I'm not lying. No, I'm But, happens. like, the whole argument that, like, the longer you're on birth control, the less effective it becomes is very bizarre. That's not even... Yeah, and you know what? This is the thing that I, I'm with these pro-life people. I'm like, you're not even making a good point. Like, you're, you're like... Yeah, like there, there is a scientific argument to be made for the fact that lots of people on contraceptives has now like affected our fertility like, or uh, the like the the mm-hmm. water systems because like it's sure you know like in yeah. waste and all that so like you know what there are there are scientific arguments to be made that I would entertain and have a conversation about to just throw out a fact that's not true like it's just a complete myth of 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 your own belief. But like, and then base policy on it. Well, the thing is, like, a lot of these discussions, it's not even them talking about other care for women. It just comes down to contraception and abortion. Yeah. And like you said before, Bailey, the, like, religious parts. Yeah. Not anything about, you know, cancer screenings. Yeah. And other things that are essential for women's health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like fetuses needing folic acid. Yeah. Folate. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a pretty critical part 
of baby brain development. <laughs> yeah. And that's just science. We know that. We know it from science. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Uh, well, on the topic of abortion, <laughs> my rent and receipt uh, was that, so this week was the March for Life in Ottawa, which is basically a free field trip for, like, all the Catholic school kids in the city. Okay, so I learned that the Catholic schools in the area just shuttle the kids to yeah. Parliament Hill for them to participate in this march. Exactly. Regardless of whether or not they believe that it should... Exactly. It, whether or not they're pro-life. Yeah. And, like, when I was in high school, I would go on any field trip there was. One time, I went on a band field trip, even though I wasn't in the band. So <laughs> I went to Montreal, and I convinced the teacher that me and my best friend should go, and we would be the videographers for the dance. <laughs> And, you know what? And, that is quite clever. Well, and I was in a business club, DECA. Shout out DECA. <laughs> uh, which I failed. <laughs> I failed. It was a competition and I failed miserably every year. But you know what it made us do? It gave us a ride to Toronto where we could go shopping. So I'd go to the competition for like an hour and then I would go to the mall for like five hours. Which is, I'm sure, exactly what all these March for Life kids are doing. They, like, come down. Like, yeah, no, it is. My friend was like, telling me. Go to the Rito Center. My friend was telling me this is what she used to do when she was in high school. Yes. Now, so there was, a, there was a major kerfuffle with the March for Life because, like, a 78-year-old ex-RCMP officer, so, you know. Was uh, that how old he was? Or, like, 90 or 107 he was like, or something. He was old. He was, like, 89. He was, like, old AF. So <laughs> he, he uh, used the mayoral submission situation to raise a March for Life flag. And you can, I mean, the mayor will declare a day and raise a flag if you do the application process. Like, there, there's been proclamation days that the Ottawa Coalition had violence against women. We've had days proclaimed for that. So We like, do things for pride. Yeah, we do things for pride. So, like, there are days. This is a process. It's, I guess, I suppose it's part of our democratic mayoral municipal process. Um, anyway, but the March for Life flag, as, as you can imagine, there was, like, a huge public outcry about it. Um, so then people started tweeting at the mayor aggressively and they ended up taking it down early. But my feeling is that like, basically the mayor was like, well, this is the process. You apply, you get, you get your flag. And it's like, but would you fly an ISIS flag? Like, would you fly? Like, there are so many, uh, like, surely to God, somebody is reviewing these things. So it must have to align in some capacity with the city. Well, yeah, so um, all of the submissions, I think, go through the city clerk's office. Right. And the mayor did ask for a review of the protocols for, I think, both the proclamation and the flag raising, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which should be our due in a month. <laughs> you know, it really shows the urgency of government. We're going to look at that. <laughs> uh, but the, the city bylaw for the proclamations is that they can't be political or religious in their reasons Mm -hmm. which literally the march for life is both political and religious yes it says the policies and bylaws cannot show that they cannot espouse hatred violence or racism and i'm sorry not giving women reproductive rights or giving humans reproductive rights because i i think that when we talk about abortion as a women's right it's pretty like cis normative and gender binary and stuff but Anyway, like, when we talk about 
not having reproductive rights, that's violence. That's violence against a person. It's a violation of your human right to have access to maternal health. You know, like, I just feel like it's just ridiculous. Well, my question is this, like, um, why can we, why is he able to raise that flag on public property? On the city property. Yeah. Well, I mean, they applied. They applied and the clerk's office decided it was fine. That it didn't espouse hatred, violence, or racism. And Are they for real? And it, was, and it wasn't done on religious or political grounds. Right, which is, of course, ridiculous because it is both. Abortion's not political? Or it religious. is, like, the biggest <laughs> political issue. Yeah, and Don't they tell you to stop, like, not to talk about it on first dates? Yeah. That's how political it is? But it's fun to talk about it on first dates, just FYI. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should do it. You should have that conversation early on. You know, I've like, had the racism know... conversation on first dates. Yeah, well, yeah, you gotta do that, too. <laughs> Got to put that shit out on the table. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Uncle Jim, our mayor, uh, was basically like, hashtag sorry, not sorry. We've uh, released the letter that he wrote on our Facebook page uh, to uh, some consist- constituents who wrote him and were like, so this is fucked up. So he wrote like a, a thing being like, well, like it's kind of my fault, but not really at all my fault. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, know? he definitely passed the buck on this. And- yeah, he was like, this is, I'm going to have the clerk review it. The clerk's office yeah so it was a poor piece of um public relations oh yeah from such a photo oppy mayor yeah Yeah. now it's funny because i think it was somebody it was either on our twitter page or our facebook twitter page Mm -hmm. who was like yeah i talked to the mayor and or i called the mayor and or the mayor's office or i emailed or something and this is what i got back yeah. And it was just the biggest piece of drivel. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it was someone awful. else actually posted, they're like, oh, like, I tweeted the ma- this yes, to the mayor. Yes, and they were like, yeah. they said, oh, you know, like, saying that you're, you're pro-choice um, and that you took it down isn't good enough. We need more action from you than just, like, tweeting about it. You ain't going to get more action from that. His response was so flip that I am so I am so over fucking Jim Watson mm. because his response was, well, you, I'm responding to a tweet with a tweet. Yes, I oh, saw that. I well, I was over Jim Watson when he, when, you know, oh. after the death of Abdir Man Abdi, yeah. he took a good three days to come from his vacation. Yeah, he was on vacation. So. He was on vacation, so it just, and there was no photo op opportunity. Yeah. Right. This man is just a media whore. Like, I'm sorry, but he is. But if there's no photo op available to put him in a good light, and to ha- I've met that man. That man is like... He's he's a caricature of his own office. Yeah, yeah. and you I, know, like he's just he needs this... to go hang out with fucking Christy Clark. And and oh. is, if the policy How is are we that talking about the BC election, <laughs> if if the policy is that it can't be flown on religious political grounds or espouse hatred, violence, or um, whatever the other one was. That's a good policy. That policy doesn't need to re- be reviewed. It need, we need to figure out how this March for Life flag got around the policy. And I don't know how you have a conversation with these pro-lifers because they're not reasonable, as we were just talking the about. Man the man is almost dead, Bailey. Well, just let him go. <laughs> somebody <laughs> tweeted to me, because I tweeted, like, my body, my choice, or whatever. And, oh, and oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> some, some guy tweeted, it's not your body. And then he posted a meme to me, 
that said, your body, your body does not have two heads, four hands, four legs, two beating hearts. But the meme is a picture of a of a drawing of a baby in on, <laughs> on, on a pregnant woman's body. I was gonna respond, and then I thought, I'm like, there's I not enough. I, I was like, I'm gonna get into something. You're like, I'm not a Siamese twin. I was like, it's but. It even, is your body. Even in your meme, it's, it's a picture your of body. a body. It's so now they're trying body. to tell us that a fetus like, like it's like a purse. in our body is not <laughs> our like, body? I think I'll bring my <laughs> pregnancy today. I'll just pick that up today. I'm going to bring my pregnancy. Blackface pregnancy. Woo-woo! Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, next Ooh. week I might be more of like a, like a, a knapsack day. Like, I, I just, I can't. Anyway, I don't know how you I don't know how you argue with these pro-lifers. And all these teenagers that get shipped down to the march, it's just any anyway, I don't know. Really? You think that's going to stick? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> no, like, it's not. Well, and somebody <laughs> tweeted who works at Planned Parenthood Ottawa said they they give out lots of condoms at the March for Life cuz the defend choice also lines up and she said don't oh, worry, that's the other thing, though, is that condoms. someone early in the morning on that day um, tweeted to the mayor, oh, well, it's March for Life. Like, are you going to come to the to Parliament Hill mm-hmm. and stand and with those who are defending choice? Yeah. And he's like, um, I can't. What time is it? And they're like, oh, it's at Wait, whatever time. He's like, oh, I'm busy. But you'll have to give me more notice. Yeah. Maybe I'll come next year. Next it's year. it's every year. Yeah, you know the year. Well, and you can, I'm sure that they have to give notice to the city well in advance for the march because they have to close the streets down. So he knows when the march for life is well in advance and you know that that's when Defend Choice is going to be too. So This is just an ongoing issue of the city not protecting the rights yeah. of women. Well, and I didn't see have Prime Minister Trudeau the out there defending counselors, though? Yeah. Are you are you surprised? But big ups to the counselors that did write that letter. So saying, is it, it Jeff Leapin? Jeff Leeper. Leeper. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff Leeper, by the way, That's who is my city counselor. Yeah. Who again? I'm going to go back to last year when the death of Abdir Man <laughs> Abdi happened. He was at the hospital. He was providing updates. He yeah. was talking to people in the community. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. He was present. And that's what you need. The mayor is not even present for his own damn constituents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's there for himself. I like how Jan Harder signed that letter. Which is oh my god, it was, like, it was like her left hand. <laughs> she was like, I do want to be part of this, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, they go. were like walking by, and she's like, no. Yeah, way to go, Jan. If you do look on our Facebook page, we do have a copy of, don't we have the yeah, copy yeah, of the yeah. signed letter? Yeah. Oh, no, we don't have we don't have that. We don't? Or we might have shared that, but that's not the letter I was thinking of. Oh. Uh, do we have the signatories? No. No. Okay, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> so Never anyway, mind. so uh, so that's that's Ottawa. Yay. Yay, Woo-hoo! city of Ottawa. You did, a, Ottawa. you did a great job this week. So, speaking of which, um, Ottawa will be coming. So, Mr. Mayor will be coming up for re-election in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. People in Ottawa, if you actually want change, this is when the work starts. Yep. If yeah. you don't like how this mayor is doing his job, mm-hmm. you get out, you organize, mm-hmm. and you, okay, first of all, the first way to organize is find somebody who already has an organization. Mm-hmm. So, there's the Sexual Assault Network. 
for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. City for All Women Initiative helps women run in city council campaigns. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this brings us to Misogynist of the Week, where we decide who gets to win our dubious award of being the biggest misogynist this week. I would just like to say I'm really glad that we picked on Meredith way way back and oh, he is now out of the senate oh no i know we are we're we're like soothsayers we're we clairvoyants. Are. yeah we are you better better listen so, you better recognize uncle jim mayor of ottawa i think he gets certainly an honorable mention at least for misogynist of the week uh but uh, we've also got a republican house member robert fisher oh it's always i feel like the republicans are just they're overqualified in this category. So to be clear, <laughs> to be clear, Robert Fisher is a Republican House member in the New Hampshire House State House of Representatives, not the federal one. Mm. So he is a 31-year-old representative and a recent Daily Beast investigation found that he is likely the founder of one of the internet's most popular places for pickup artists and men's right activists, the subreddit the red pill. Oh my god! Which what he can't, he made up the red pill? Yeah, apparently. And he's in. Oh yes, mm. uh, the red pill describes itself as a expl- discussion of sexual strategy in a culture increasingly lacking a positive identity for men. Oh my god! <laughs> men are just—they feel so victimized by the notion of equity and equality. Yeah. That's why they want stay-at-home wives now. So um, in, in, the, in the subreddit, he has posted that women have subpar intelligence, that women's bodies are the only thing that makes up for their lackluster personalities, and has expressed paranoia about his perception of growing false rape accusations. Oh, my God. Um, so while he hasn't formally denied his involvement in creating the red pill he did say that he is currently not the moderator of any reddit forums um, but the daily beast has reason to believe that that is false and that he has fabricated a passing of the torch from one username to another Uh, just as a like total side note i don't want anybody in the house of representatives or in any kind of political space Spending all their time on Reddit. Yeah, so he (laughs) apparently rarely attends any votes in the House of Representatives and apparently spends upwards of 80 hours per week on forum upkeep. Oh my god. What? That is two full-time jobs. That's two full That's ridiculous. He spends $80 a week? 80 hours a week. week? 80 hours a week on... I'm yeah, sure like, no wonder you have to go and talk about being a pickup artist because you have no life and you're a boring person that no one wants to date. Yeah, uh, uh, just by chance, this week I stumbled on a Skillshare. Do you guys ever use Yeah, oh yeah, I've, yeah. I don't, but I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I stumbled on a Skillshare video on how to pick up women, the PUA of Skillshare. Oh, really? <laughs> and the guy was so awkward, and he was like, I used to not be able to get anybody, but now I've worked on my skills, and I was just like, oh my God. It's not that women are bad. That's not why you're not getting women. It's because you're boring. Well, and you have these, like... And you're a misogynist. Yeah. Yeah. 
So under um, his username, the initial username, Red Pill School, uh, <laughs> Fisher has posted things like advising one that they should place a sign on the front door of their bedroom that says premises under audio and video surveillance by entering this property you agree to be recorded. Um, oh and in a statement to uh, local New Hampshire media last week, um, Fisher said, I've never taped a sexual encounter, though I have often considered that it may be the best or only form of protection for men to present prevent false rape accusations. Because oh they're so numerous. Yeah. Yeah. When only this, actually by the way, women are this, this, re- this false rape accusations is exactly reverse racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just there to keep you from actually discussing the real problem. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is actually, it's so flipping the script. It's it's really basic flipping the script. Just yeah. looking at this guy's picture, he's just like he so douchiest. Yeah, so he's even uh, in the forum. Ew. Ew. In the forum, Red Pill School has all, often pointed out that feminists are obsessed with the concept of rape. Um, and they are, quote, feminists are obsessed with rape because we live in a rape fantasy culture where feminists wish they were hot enough to be rapeable. Oh, my. Which this sounds like Camille P- P- Pulit, whatever her name is. <laughs> Which is something he wrote in 2014. Um, he also believes... Oh, it writes? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, he also believes that marital rape, which is a crime in all 50 states, shouldn't exist as a concept um, because, quote, if a woman does not wish to submit to her husband, she should not marry him. The contract of marriage is the verbal and written consent for sex, oh. which is from 2013. I thought you were going to say, like, 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <sighs> okay. He's also even said that uh, by a function of who they are, women cannot have the same perspective or experience as men and therefore cannot be expected to have the same maturity level. Mm. Um, he also has gone on to That's say... That's right, we're more mature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this guy, this sounds like a cry for his mommy. It's it really does. Really, I, really I feel bad. like it's a cry for his mommy. The man is in pain. He needs. <laughs> yeah. He needs his mommy. Well, there is even one thing where point where he says that he kind of joined the community or started the community because he was looking. He was realizing that the things that he had been taught were social norms and dating were not truth. The, like the thing, like women are obsessed with rape because it happens and it's a. Threat. Did you hear him say the concept of rape as though it's just never happened? And like the reason we're not obsessed with it, we're told every single day of our lives that we should be obsessed with it because we need to be concerned with our own safety, not holding Mm -hmm. men accountable for their actions. So sing it, sister. Yeah, you know, like I'm not I'm not obsessed with rape because I want to be raped. Like this is not this is not a thing. No, it's staying vigilant so you don't get raped. Yeah, because. That, like, no matter what I do, I'm putting myself at risk, quote-unquote. You know? We are at risk. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that there's a specific time or place or whatever mm-hmm. that I, I know, I know that one time, like, and it happens so innocuously, right? Well, Is that it starts out, like, 
so innocuously. You could be like watching TV and watching a football game. Well, and the yeah. next thing you know, you're trying to fight for air. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like this guy's not even upholding like the stranger danger m- sexual assault myth, which is a myth. Most women are assaulted by someone they know. Yep. But like and murdered. Yeah, but since he's saying, well, uh, your husband just gets to own your body from there on out after the contract of marriage, he's like, you're you're not safe outside. You're not safe in your home. You're not sa- like you're just not literally safe, not period. safe at all. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask the parents. Uh, of some of these guys out there, because they were once young. What is it? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Where's the disconnect? Are we? How are we raising these kids? Mm-hmm. What? What? When? When did just respect for women just go out the window? I mean, I, I, I just. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. But then <coughs> I, I also think that maybe it's passed down because their belief in all of these things are just that. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I almost think like being a feminist is always survival yeah. <laughs> for like the next gen. Yeah. Just so that we could teach these boys and girls, uh, teach girls not to be nice. Mm-hmm. Shout out Simone Biles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's amazing to me. I remember being in um, Bridgehead once. And Bridgehead's a coffee shop for all of those who are not in Ottawa. And um, I may have been a little salty. <laughs> you? I know. I know. And, you know, when I, like, to be honest, when I'm salty, it's more like just a face and, a, and short answers. It's not like disrespect, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I'm more of the latter. <laughs> my poor boyfriend gets so upset. <laughs> He's like, oh my God. Can you not? <laughs> and so, and so, only because I knew the girl behind the counter and I like her. Anyway, this woman behind me turned around and told her daughter, that she should never be like me, and she should always be a nice girl. <gasps> wow. No. Yeah. Fuck politeness. Yeah. That is rude. Yeah. So I turned to her and I said, does that include rudeness? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you disrespect me out there, sometimes I will turn back and, and really ask you about it. Oh, me too. Yeah. Like yeah. we were working one day and I turned to a man and I said, Oh my gosh. What are you staring at? Why are you staring at me? He was staring at you though. Yeah. He it's not like you were wrong. I that warmed my heart, Aaron. <laughs> Solidarity sister. Well, on that note. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that uh, is it. What <laughs> What Bailey said. So uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Bad and Bitchy Podcast. And you can also email us at Bad and B Pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, yeah. rate us five stars. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess five we'll catch star you. Five star podcast. I guess we'll yeah. catch you next time. Stay bitchy. Bye. Bye. My bitch is bad and bullshit.